0: Hello, Trailblazers fans, and welcome once again to a podcast on Blazers Edge. You know, we have about 6,000 of those right now, but we are happy that you could join us for this one. It is the inaugural episode, episode number one of Dave and Marlo. Now, you are used to Dave and Dia. Dia has gone on to post Blazers Edge life. We wish her well, but We always have somebody in the hopper, and you are going to love the basketball mind of our new co-host. It is Marlo Ferguson, Jr., who has been a writer for us for some time. If you read the recaps, he has the best recaps that have ever been, and uh, he's absolutely fascinating. Marlo, how are you doing today?
1: Doing good, doing good. Uh, First and foremost, thank you so much for having me. Um, as a big fan of Dave and Dia, you know, I know I've got some,
0: some big shoes to fill. We've
1: got some chemistry we got to get going. Uh, but very excited about it. Very excited about the Blazers season and just ready to get things going.
0: Yeah, chemistry is absolutely the hardest class uh, I ever took. Actually, if you're, organic <laughs> chemistry in college. I had a friend who was taking that. And they, like, had to spend 52 hours building models and all kinds of stuff. I it was above my head. So hopefully our chemistry comes a little easier than that. Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, how, you know, how did you come to basketball? Where Where's your life in in relationship to basketball and the NBA and the Trailblazers?
1: Oh, get ready for some weird stories. Um, I guess growing up, I'm kind of weird. I'm not really an, an Oregon-born uh, Blazers fan. I'm from Illinois, the Missouri area. And uh, I grew up a big Allen Iverson fan. I like the Rashon Sturridge, Tracy McGrady guys like that. And uh, in 2006, I ended up. I wanted to change teams. I was like, I'm tired of. I'm tired of Philadelphia. I want to learn some new players. And I ended up uh, stumbling along a guy named LaMarcus Aldrich and Brandon Roy, and they became my favorite players for the last 15 or so years. So it's been a lot of fun, a lot of heartbreak, and everything in between since then.
0: Yeah, so you are of the LaMarcus and Brandage vintage. I mean, that is a fine, that's like fine wine now. That's like, and it's in between there because a lot of people forget that. People go, well, I was with Sheed or like real oldies, you know, Bill Walton, Clyde Drexler, And then, oh, no, I'm Damian Lillard. Like, you got the little, (laughs) like, you got the five-year period in there when Brandon and LaMarcus ruled.
1: Yeah, I feel old just saying it, just thinking about it. I just missed that, that, that era with Rashid and Sabonis and those guys, but. A lot of fun in that Royal Artists era, too, and hoping for the same uh, coming forward.
0: Yeah, well, I will tell you that, uh, you know, the Sabonis era was a lot of fun, even with how it ended with Rasheed Wallace, and I always thought that was overblown. Look, everybody was frustrated at the time, including Sheed. I mean, nobody was—this was a marriage that was ending, and it felt like it. But you know what? There were so many good years in there that people completely forget about, and Rasheed Wallace in the playoffs— was absolutely, I mean, Portland would have done anything <laughs> without him.
1: 100% agree on that. Just wish they could have gotten over the hump one time, like so close, so many
0: years, ago. Oh, that, that, <laughs> I uh, have that up. game seven. Uh, you know what? Uh, 1991 with uh Terry Porter missing the shot against the Lakers was tougher for me because that team had done a lot more and I liked them a lot more. The, the sheed teams were always kind of rented, I thought. Mercenaries, but I mean, it was fun to see him there and to see him come back. And they almost took it. Uh, okay. Anyway, we should not start the. I mean, what a horrible way. Hello, it's right. David marlowe Let's bring up your worst memories ever. Uh, so preseason. Uh, let's let's get right into it and uh, let's just throw it open. The Blazers have done are done with their preseason schedule now. Uh, they went what one and three? I mean, they won one game, and it was against the non-NBA team, where they won by 50. And Shaden Sharp goes, "This is where you draft. Why you drafted me?" What were your general impressions of the preseason? What stood out to you? I'm somewhere in the middle
1: between uh, trying to be, I guess, optimistic and being realistic, but it's kind of tough. Uh, I kind of went back and I realized they haven't won a, a preseason game against an NBA opponent since December 11, 2020, and the top scorers during that game were, were Carmelo Anthony, Gary Trent Jr., and uh, Harry Giles III. So it's, it's been a, a really long time. And, you know, you don't want to put too much stock into the, the preseason as a whole, but uh, we've seen it historically where, you know, the bat preseason kind of bleeds into the regular season. So that's, that's one of the things that I'm looking for. Um, and Chauncey Bells talked a little bit about, you know, they just want to test things out, see how that goes. But obviously it'd be nice to have a win to kind of kind of ride your way into the regular season with.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I mean – They tested things out like you uh, test a balloon out against a dartboard. I mean, that thing is going (laughs) to pop. It's just... Okay. So, first of all, the number one thing you were looking for, you bring Jeremy Grant on board, right? You finally got a solid lineup. Even, you know, you got Justice Winslow and Josh Hart at small forward and Nasir Little, all of whom can kind of defend. I mean, I I like what Nas does. And Josh Hart is not bad at anything, Right. So you're going like, okay, this is number one thing I want to see. I want to see the defense get better at least a little bit. Game 1. Yusuf Nurkic is out on an island up high uh and they're switching everything and he's just getting baked by guards and then he's getting toasted by centers when they don't switch. Anthony Simons is out there waving at people like he's a traffic cop instead of a, you know, a, a defender. I don't oh. I, I don't know. I despaired a little bit as I watched their quote-unquote defense unfold in the preseason.
1: Oh, man. Bless his heart. I remember that first game, uh, Anthony Simons got caught on the switch against Zubac, and he looked up. His head was already under the rim. I'm like, oh, we're in trouble. <laughs> be <a> <laughs> it's yeah. be I don't know what they're doing.
0: <laughs> I mean, okay. So, the dame and backcourt, are they really going to be better than Dame and CJ were in terms of defense?
1: Uh, I'm, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say. That. I think they're going to be something similar. I don't think they're going to be world beating, but I think the bigger thing is going to be just how they they put the guys together around them. Like Damian CJ were never really a great defensive tandem, but they worked out because you had you know your Afriku, Mino, your Moharculus, the guys like that that could kind of uh, make up for their deficiencies. So this year you're kind of hoping that Jeremy Grant and Nasir Little and those guys can uh, step up and do that. But with Dame being a little bit older and Simon's being, I guess, not quite as experienced, not quite as seasoned yet. Kind of worry about that a little bit, but just got to stay optimistic, I guess, for the moment.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, yes, g- got to stay optimistic is a good way to put it. Uh, I am, wow, that that might last for like a week. Then all of a sudden we're going to get <laughs> pessimistic. But, okay, you as you say, they've had a lot of different combinations around their non-defending guard tandem. Now, Jeremy Grant is probably, has the potential to be the best defender they've had in there. Uh, maybe since Alfredo Camino was young, you know, but still, I think Grant has the potential to be better. I think Nasir Little is, can be a really good defender as well. Might not quite be there yet, but he's not far away. Josh Hart, I, like I said, I, be- I believe in this guy. I believe that he can do a little bit of everything. So theoretically on paper, you have a pretty good defensive unit there, but I just, don't see how you shuffle that around consistently to to have the Blazers cover enough territory to make up for the constant leaks. And I think it happens two places. First of all, you got this, you know, the vertical penetration that they just can't stop. And whether it's on a screen or whether it's just straight up, you get guards coming down the lane. And the second thing that happens is the horizontal three-point shooting, the kick out to the to the sidelines. They are closing. I mean, I commented to somebody like at a certain point, it looked like they had five Hassan Whitesides out there, like they were just (laughs) not closing to the arc at all. And no matter which way you shuffle it, if that doesn't get fixed really quick, they they don't. They'd need a sixth player out there.
1: The same, they can't get a six. I'm i I'm very worried about that because, you know, last season, those were the same exact issues that, you know, kind of plagued this team. The, the defensive, the three-point uh, three defense, uh, defending without fouling, things like that, and they just continue to do that. So I'm, I'm kind of worried about that heading into this year as well.
0: Oh, fouling. Oh, boy. Okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. So, now, we could talk about this. The mystery of Yusuf Nurkic, okay? So, is it that Yusuf Nurkic is not great at what he does? I mean, is he is he kind of good, maybe a little? I mean, he could be good on a night, but he's just not great at covering space, and he's not a great defender either up high or down low? Or is it that they leave him so many things to do that he's like Cinderella looking at all his wicked stepsisters going, yeah, I can't get this done. I mean, this is this is <laughs> darn near like familial abuse here that you are letting these guards loose and expecting me to stop them and a big man and rebound the ball because I'm literally the only seven footer out here. And all it's going to result in is five fouls in 20 minutes.
1: Oh, my God. I I don't know what he's going to do. It's like a lose-lose situation at this point. And I've got like 100 clips where I can go back and look at it, like Golden State kind of got him out of the way, Uh, got got a pick-and-roll right through the middle. Uh, Sacramento, they had him drop, and De'Aaron Fox was hitting all three-pointers, so it's just like, I'm not sure what the perfect medium is for that, but just, bless his heart. I'm not sure what he's going to do this year. It's going to be a long year.
0: I mean, look at it. He gets a switch, he can't stop the guard. Right? (laughs) If they don't run the screen and his man loses. I mean, look, if the guards channel their man into Nurkic, he's capable of stopping. It. But that's not happening. The, the opposing guard is getting a step on Portland's guard. Now you got Nurkic as the last line of defense. And by the way, nobody's coming over to help pick up his man. And I, so far, it's been nobody. And I think Really, even if Hart or Grant did, they're not really big enough to stop him, right? So now Nurk's going like, "Oh, I seven footer. I had a six footer. I can't stop either of them," and he ends up like in the middle. And I part of it is that he's just not that guy, but I think part of it is just how Portland is exposing him.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree with that too. And we've seen that a lot last year. Like I remember when they were playing uh Phoenix, like Chris Paul and Aiden, they ran like a pick and roll like four or five times in a row. And uh, Anthony Simons was a low man, so he had to come over and try to guard Aiden. And I'm like, not enough size in some places, not not enough speed in other places. It's just a, a very difficult situation right now. So I think they're going to have to outscore cause, like they've always done. So
0: yeah, which we we know yeah. how that goes. We've done that for a decade, <laughs> right? And yeah. Chauncey Phillips, by the way, is not going to run a better offense than Terry Stotts did because uh-huh. Stotts was the master at that. So yeah, that's that's not going to work. Although that brings up an interesting question. So. The Blazers are not hyper athletic. I mean, Nurkic isn't. Uh, you know, Jeremy Grant, yeah. Josh Hart, pretty good. Uh, Anthony Simons can be, but he's not like a stopper. I mean, he's not, you know, he's he's got hops, but he's not like that specimen. And Damian Lillard again, he I I would describe this lineup as really really skilled, but not really athletic. Do you agree with that and and do you think that that's really might be kind of an issue?
1: I would agree with that 100%. Uh, I'm not seeing a lot of guys on this, this this roster right now that you would feel comfortable winning in a, in a playoff series or whatever you want to do. So it's kind of it's kind of making me question what the actual ceiling can be. Um, some would say maybe a play-in team, maybe say a postseason team, but right now it's just so many gauging holes in it that I'm not 100% sure what to really expect. Um, so I guess we have to just kind of wait and see how the rotations fall, how the lineups go, and see how it goes.
0: Right, And the, and the problem with that lack of athleticism, I think, is precisely in the defense. Because defense is all about controlling space, right? That you do it one of two ways, actually both of two ways. You are quick enough, especially laterally, side to side, to where you can move where you need to move on the floor quickly, because the ball moves really quick, you got to follow it, right? But the other thing is, when you get there, you have to have enough athleticism, intimidation presence. I mean, it could be shot blocking, but at least bodying up, at least making a guy think twice about dribbling because he's going to hit you or you're going to get your hand in there and poke away the ball. Not only do the Blazers not move fast enough side to side, when they get there, nobody cares. Nobody sees Anthony Simons coming and goes, oops, I I better (laughs) think twice. (laughs)
1: I agree. I agree with that. I'm hoping
0: that maybe they can
1: get the right lineup in there eventually, and like I think I'm, I'm very excited to see what Nasir Little does this year. He talked about in this in this press conference. He was saying that like uh, the Clippers game was like just the third time that he had played a, a five on five setting since he had gotten back. So just getting those guys their stamina the back, they win back. I think you could pull out a lineup of, of maybe like uh, Nasir Little and Grant and, and Hart, and maybe intimidation guys a little bit. But as far as this team being like a, a top ten defense, I have I have hesitation about that. I don't see that being the case.
0: Yeah, absolutely fair. Uh and the other guy who might be able to do it eventually is Shaden Sharp, right? Because he's got athleticism to burn. But look at the lineup you just mentioned. Uh first of all, you got Little who is coming off the bench now. And I think he needs to start. But I don't see I see why hard is starting over him right now. That's absolutely coaches basketball purist decision. That's absolutely correct. Except if you need the defensive intimidation. And the only way you get that is do exactly what you said. You say, okay, Aunt, love you. I mean, you're, we're paying you a fortune, but now we're going to pay you a fortune to be a six man. You're going to score 20 points, but it's going to be coming off the bench. And you're going to be spelling Dame a lot and not just, you know, at the two guard. And by the way, Josh Hart, now you're upping our defense at the two guard and you're moving the ball. I think that defensively is the only solution I see right now that makes much sense.
1: And I've seen people actually bring that up, the idea of putting Simons on the bench, but it's just hard to justify that with the way they've paid them this year and the way we've kind of talked them up into being like a future kind of star kind of guy. Um, but I think you can make it work if you do it kind of the way that they, they've done it this preseason where they've kind of spelled those two guys where they don't play exactly at the same time. Um, and they play so little time together, uh, Simons and Lillard that it's just, it's anybody's guess how it's going to work out in the long term. But I think if you just find a way to get one guy on the floor at, at the same time and you put defense around them, you might still have enough offense to, to kind of at least be competitive. I'm not saying you're going to win, but you can at least be competitive.
0: Yeah. I mean, the other problem with Simon's is he's been waiting, right? You know, he's he's on the runway. I mean, he's <laughs> he's like spooling up those engines. It's like you tell him, no, 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 crank it back down. We're going to let someone else go in front of you. You sit there. It, it, the little passengers on Anthony Simon's plane are going to get angry. All right. So you've got to let him fly. But I think at some point, they're going to have to make a decision whether this season is about winning or whether we're really building for a future.
1: I agree with that, too. Um, I was listening to the uh, Lockdown Blazers podcast, and uh, they were talking about the idea of maybe even like getting shade and sharp minutes like, right away, like opening night, just because this team doesn't really give off the vibe that they're going to be a competitive team right away. So I'm, I'm hoping that we don't have to answer that question too quickly. Like, hopefully we can get to you know, midseason and we're still in, in position. But if you look at the way our, our schedule shakes out this year, it's it's tough. Like we got the the second most difficult first twenty of the season along with the Spurs, so it's gonna be, gonna be we're gonna have a lot of conversations, some really difficult conversations I think in the next couple of weeks.
0: <laughs> yeah, of well I, I you cannot you cannot put Sharp in there unless he absolutely merits it. There there's no way that you can start this season developing because you know, Damian Lillard and Anthony Simons, by the way, who some of whose minutes he's gonna be taking, and Josh Hart are all going to go, no, no, no. And Jeremy Grant's going to go, why did I come here? Like, what, what are we doing? I came here to, to develop a kid? No, right? So I, I, you just that, talk about tanking the morale. That would be, I mean, as much as Shaden is respected, and I think he is, he has to, he has to earn his way in there. Yeah.
1: Now, let me correct myself. I think I may have said start, he was saying that he should get minutes, like, right away like in day on day one sure i, would, Which I, can, see, I can see it i can see case you don't see that i don't see a case for that i can see a case for that maybe
0: i i think he'll have to <laughs> he'll have to absolutely prove it i think the minute that you give him and i get who he is and i get what he's going to be but the minute that you start that that's like a ripple effect you know oh that guy's getting charity minutes basically because of his reputation well i have a reputation too i mean and especially jeremy grant you know Hey, Yusuf Nurkic, although no one's pushing his position, I just got paid. Where are my minutes? Where are my shots? Josh Hart, I got a contract coming up. Where are my minutes? When's this kid done? I'm I'm Josh freaking Hart, right? <laughs> I need to get paid next year. Give me those shots, right? So, like, you have to, I think it's on Billups to, to downplay that, and I think he has a bit. And, you know, I, Shaden will get there.
1: I can see that. Uh, a lot of guys on contract years, too. That's a good point you just brought up. Art's got to get paid. Jeremy Grant's got to get paid. So they got to keep a lot of guys happy this
0: year. And, um, I'm excited to see how that goes, too. Interesting. It's one of the things I wrote about earlier in the week. I mean, Chauncey Billups, he's got a tougher job than we think, I do. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> so what does he need to do? What do you, what do you want to see out of Chauncey Billups? uh this season what would make you think that he was a success besides just wins and losses obviously you want to win as many games as possible but what does he need to show i
1: think that the uh the defense this year kind of has to match his reputation a little bit in terms of just being greedy hard nosed i think last year he kind of showed that if you play with energy you were going to get on the court for him you were going to play for him so just this is the year that he's got his guys. you know last year he kind of uh kind of what's the word you would use uh Kind of had to deal with a lot of Terry Stott's old guys and the guys from the old regime, but he's handpicked some of his guys this year. So if it doesn't work out, I think it's going to tell a little bit about him. i like to see this team make some more uh, second half adjustments. You know, we we, we con- continually bomb, you know, third quarters. And it's just, uh, I want to see that team make those adjustments, and that'll show if he's mature as a coaching year, too.
0: Yeah, that's actually a fair point, although some of that, of course, would be roster-oriented. I mean, you're throwing out Brandon w- Williams and Reggie Perry, you're going to, you know, okay, third quarter is not going to go well for you because everybody wakes up. Oh, you thought you, thought you were going to stay close? Nah, we don't want to play in the fourth. We're going to blow you out here. But the Blazers, I think we just argued, are somewhat solvable. I mean, it, again, down the lane, to out to the sidelines you got two places where they're vulnerable, and if they shut off one, the other's going to be open. The Blazers are going to have to prove that, first of all, they can stop people there, but second of all, when they move that adjustment, like they move it out to the diagonals, or they start cutting baseline, then you are able to keep up. And Portland hasn't had that since, I don't know, it really was kind of 2019 a little bit, I think when uh, Harkless and Aminu were so veteran that even though they were kind of journeymen, you, you knew exactly where they were going to be, and they knew it too, and it worked. But they've been struggling to recover that ever since.
1: Yeah, they definitely have. And the last couple of years, I thought they maybe be able to come close with Covington and, and, and Gary Jones Jr. and guys like that, but for whatever reason, it just hasn't really worked out. And speaking of that, I'm really excited to see how the, this, the small forward situation goes with the starters and how they say they're going to implement different guys in and out depending on matchups and rotations and adjustments things like that um, so every night it'll be something different rather it's Justice Winslow Nazir Little Josh Hart um, so that should be kind of fun to see how Chauncey Billups you know adjusts with that and if he's getting the right guy in there at the right times each night
0: yeah exactly I mean and that look they have versatility at the small positions right I mean and don't forget we got Gary Payton the second too you know so yeah they they got a heck of a lot of depth at the three two one positions, which I mean is more than they've had before. I like their options. The question will be: if you shuffle, you know that deck, can you stop? You could stop the smalls, but can you really stop the bigs with any of those players?
1: That's the big question right there. I remember you and, and you and Dia talking about this a few weeks back. Uh, just the idea of getting so much skill at this position, without thinking about an actual position at that point. So, just what we're going to do with the four and the five is going to be such a, a such a tough question to answer. Especially if Kenden Wofford's not healthy, that's going to be very tough to see how that goes behind Yusuf Nurkic, because you just know you can you can pencil in there for uh, <laughs> four or five fouls every night. So, what are they going to do when they, when he gets in foul trouble? That's going to be a big question too.
0: Yeah, I mean. It's all well and good to say everybody's going with five smalls and positionless basketball. But that works until you run into a 6'10 guy or a 7-footer. And guess what? Lots of NBA teams have them now. We're seeing a little bit of a resurgence, uh, resurgence of either the dominant center or the power forward who can do a lot of different things. And I'm sorry, we saw Josh Hart last year get overmatched. Uh, Anytime he was up against even a tall three, I have a hard time figuring that he's going to rotate up or that, you know, even Jeremy Grant is going to have a really great time against really long or tall fours, let alone stopping big centers.
1: I I, I agree. I'm not sure what they're going to do when that happens. You know, if you're playing Milwaukee and they roll out a a, a Brook Lopez and Giannis or Boston's got Robert, Robert Williams and Al Horford. Like, what are you going to do? Like, we're going to be undersized in that matchup, and then we don't have the, the offensive firepower, I don't think, to kind of deal with all of that that comes with it. So uh, I'm not sure. Maybe we can look at the, the free agents. <laughs> I'm not sure what to do as far as that goes right now.
0: Yeah, well, they're going to ch- trade Josh Hart. I'm sure, sure we'll talk about that a lot as the season goes along. But, I mean, even Minnesota. I mean, yeah, look, okay. look, you get to say, oh, I'm not going to beat <laughs> Milwaukee. It's okay. And Philly, Joel Embiid, sure. Yeah, we're going to have trouble with Denver. Well, when you start going, and Minnesota, and Golden State, (laughs) and the Lakers, and the Clippers, you're like going, wait, this list is dwindling. It's like closing time at the bar, and you're going, wait a minute, who can I beat? (laughs) Hello, San Antonio. You're you're looking pretty good after 12 drinks. Oh, man. It's going to be very tough this year. I'm not sure what what to say. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, one of the things that we're doing uh, this week to uh, SB Nation is having a uh, network-wide prediction thread or preview thread, and they wanted to know. Of course, they always ask the specific questions, and I hate them. But win totals. If you had to pin the Blazers on a win total right now, what would you go with? Ooh, that's, that's tough too. I'm gonna go.
1: Uh, I'm gonna go somewhere in that, that 35 to 41 win ballpark. I'm gonna say maybe a uh, 39 no i can't do 39 that's too low i'm gonna go uh am go 41 and 41 cut it right down the middle uh play a play in an and i'll keep it i'll keep it at that, it at
0: that. <laughs> i uh i said 40 and 42 so we're right there i thought about 37 is like no i don't i won't get i don't want to get killed they're already going to say oh, yeah. <laughs> are you ready to be called a stupid media member now because we're <laughs> We're fans when it's convenient, right? Oh, you're just a fan. You don't know nothing. And then when you make a low prediction, it's like, oh, you're a stupid media member and you're biased. So <laughs> our I'll forty and there. forty-one are going to get lampooned. But I mean, I think if this team wins forty-five, they'll be doing pretty well, actually.
1: I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. And they're going to bring out the pitchforks on us if we if we're wrong about that. But I'd rather be wrong about it than. I don't know. I'd rather be pleasantly surprised and then have him come out and just win thirty games and we look foolish. Like Yeah. Forty wins I think it's safe. I say
0: that's safe. So what's the highest ceiling you see? I mean everything goes perfectly. They get a little luck in the conference. What's their win total?
1: Highest feeling. Um I assume I think it has to do with, with Damian Lillard. He talked a lot this offseason about coming back and, and being the even better than he was before. So I think the best best case scenario involves that where he's not dealing with that abdomen. And um he returns to an all day level, and I think the Blazers get to maybe 49 and 33, and they're they're able to compete with those teams, you know, the Denverers, the Minnesota's, and get to the, maybe the second round. I don't see a championship in the future, <laughs> just being honest. But I can see I can see a a postseason, some postseason success.
0: Yeah, said so 50 because it's a nice round number. But that I mean I think that really is the max ceiling at this point. Yeah. By the way, did their preseason play influence that at all for you, or were you thinking that all along?
1: Um, only a little bit, just because of the fact that I was kind of expecting us to play a little bit better in the preseason. Uh, just see some of the adjustments. Like, for example, they, they were dead last and, and 3 point percentage, uh, allowed to teams. They were bottom four and free throws allowed, effective field goal percentage. And those little tweaks, like Chelsea Bills can say what he wants to say about, you know, wanting to test different things out. But at some point, if you, if you take 10 tests and you fail 10 of them, like you may have learned something, but you didn't, you didn't pass. So it's like you gotta, you got to see some success to go with that. So just kind of waiting on that part of it.
0: <laughs> Marlo's getting the yardstick out like the the, the old nuns at the parochial school. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a Chelsea fan. Let me say that I am a Chelsea Bellows fan. I love him as a player. Yep. I think that he's got a, a good attitude about what he's doing, but you just got to kind of see your product on the floor kind of play out before you get too optimistic about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that's fair. <sighs> I mean we all want the team to do well, but that they came out and apparently solved nothing with a fully functional lineup and didn't even give a glimpse of lockdown exciting defense against exhibition opponents. I mean, it's not just the talent level, it's the drive. I mean, look, if, if you get a performance review... And they say, you're going to be okay, but here's the one factor that you got to work on. I want to see you come out and get this. And you literally do not go out and get that at all? <laughs> oh, boy. I mean, everybody knows what this team needs to do, and they're just not doing it. Agreed. I remember
1: writing the recap of when they were playing Utah a couple of days ago. I'm like, are we really struggling against Utah right now? This is Mike Conley. This is Jordan Clarkson. Like we're, they went on the run, and they closed the game out in the third quarter, and, and I just – you never want to get too high or too low on a preseason game, but I just remember thinking like, "This is not good," because Utah's like projected to be one of the worst teams in the league, and we're struggling like badly right now. Yeah. So I don't know. Could be an omen to look for in the future, but it also could be just something that we laugh about later.
0: Yeah, but hopefully for the latter. But like you said, that first twenty games. I mean, when you're going to try to get better, then it's it's like it's <laughs> like trying to heal your wounds when people got you know the whole cutlery set around you still stabbing you. Like, okay, you got a Band-Aid on that one, but now you got six in your back. What are you going to do about that? What's the the worst-case scenario that you see for this team?
1: Worst-case scenario, I think that that opening season start kind of dooms them. You know, they have a a six-game road trip, like mid-November, and then another one like a couple days later, like a six- or seven-game road trip. So they start off slow. Uh, We've seen injuries kind of pile up with this group, you know, historically. So we're kind of hoping for a, a healthy, clean bill in that regard. And if we don't get that, then I think we're gonna be like on the ringer, they were talking about uh the victor win by almost I don't really want to talk about that, but you know, we got Mike Smith, Mike Smith in the uh in the front office now, so he's he's a guy that's gonna know like exactly what to do in that situation. Hopefully we're not talking about the draft in, in December and January. I think that's two years in a row would be just too much for that.
0: It'd be awful tough, especially if Lillard <laughs> is operational. And you know, yeah. okay, look, what kind of culture is Anthony Simons growing up in too, you know? Like they were competitive when he was real young. But as he's coming into his prime, you don't want to start your prime with like, well, we tank and we tank and we're waiting and we're waiting because that becomes it's not just personal habit. It becomes part of your culture. You end up and we know teams like this (coughs) Sacramento that, you know, (laughs) we're waiting and and we're waiting and the culture becomes waiting. And the thing you're waiting for never happens because you never get out of the waiting phase.
1: Yeah, it could definitely be the case. I was talking to somebody about uh, Shea Alexander and how he's in that he's an infinitely talented player, but he can't really show his skills because of the fact that they're always tanking. And you just develop so many bad habits when you get into that that kind of thing. And I think for Portland, it's kind of it's been helpful in a way because we found some some diamonds in the rough. You know, you're trending for guys like that, but at some point you want to get a competitive product here around this this organization again. And I'm not completely sold on this day of the year, but I uh, got my fingers crossed. I'll say that.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, and this is the difference, I think. Like, look, the Blazers made the playoffs, what, 22 years in a row? 21-22. I forget what it is, right? And most of those were first-round losses, especially throughout the 80s. After the championship and before Drexler took them in 1990, there were a lot of first-round losses. But even in the midst of that, you never doubted the talent of the team. And if you look back at those rosters, they had some really good names. And those teams were trying to win. Those teams that lost in the first round, they may have been only good enough to get there, but they weren't going to settle for anything less. That hasn't been the same. I'm, you know, I know that Lillard has been to the first round loss. I mean, I'm not saying that they haven't. But that attitude hasn't been there. There's always been, but something else. Okay, we didn't really win, but we did this. We didn't succeed or meet our goals, but we did that. And that but has really become part of the Blazers' aura. And it's like, you can't, you you know what? Golden State is not saying that. The Spurs are not saying that. And the Spurs are going to suck this year. But... They're out there saying, You know what? We are going to rebuild and we're gonna come back and we're not gonna settle. The Blazers just kinda feel like a I don't know, they're compromising all the time.
1: Yeah, get like stuck in no man's land and this is a terrible place to be, absolutely. And I remember during those Terry years, like people were were excited about what we were, like what the team was doing, but they were also a bit dissatisfied and, you know, it was always a first round exit, always a second round exit, but never like getting completely over the top. So it's almost like you kinda gotta pick and choose, like, would you rather be competitive but not win the championship or just think and try to run that risk. So, and it's weird because this year's team feels like it's kind of right in the middle of that, like mediocrity, but also something where you can get like higher or lower. I'm not sure yet. I'm not sure yet on this team.
0: Yeah. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down, we break down who will be cutting, cut, Just go to fritolaysnacket.sbnation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4/3/2023. Void wherever there. Here's where the snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at fritolaysnacket.sbnation.com. Well, I mean the one thing is I don't think you rent Jeremy Grant to lose, you know? And I understand that they haven't extended him, but they want to. I don't think they would have traded for him if they if they didn't want to. Now, if they lose real bad this year, they may change their mind on it. But that's going to be the white flag. If they don't extend or re-sign Jeremy Grant, they're just, okay, we're in rebuild mode. But the problem is Grant alone is not enough to make the difference. Like, he can't take them there. So, like you said, it's kind of like we're doing this thing, but we're only doing it 75% of the way. It's like something needs to get to a hundred and ten percent territory so we can actually know what this team is doing.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's such a weird situation, and I'm, I worry a little bit about how Jeremy Grant's gonna fit in a hundred percent because of the fact that we're like, pulling such a, 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 a I don't want to say a bad team, but they're not a very good team at rebounding the ball. And if he's like your prized free agent acquisition, and he's averaging he averaged four point one rebounds last year, so if you're yeah. expecting him to come in and save that part of you, like it's tough. But I will say that he is making wild plays on both sides of the ball each game. Uh, his blocks have been amazing this, this year so far. So I think he's going to fit in well, but I don't think he's going to solve all of the issues that we, that we think that he's going to solve. So that'd be tough.
0: <laughs> How many rebounds do you think Yusuf Nurkic averages this year? Or how Yusuf many does Nurkic he need to average?
1: He needs to average 15, 15, 14 or 15. But I think he's going to, some would call it boring, some would call it consistent. I think he's going to be another one of those uh, 15, 10, and 15, 10 four kind of seasons for him. Uh Damian Lillard loves to go to him on those little sort of pocket passes and the pick and roll that so they can run pin downs in the, in the post-ups for him. So he's going to have a, a, a really uh, focused part of his offense and on defense as well. But I don't think he's going to do anything out of the ordinary or anything super special this year just based on what we've seen. Like a Tiger doesn't change his stripes after this many years,
0: I don't think. Yeah. There are moments, you know, for, first of all, he was playing out of his mind when he broke his leg. And I don't mean, like, statistically. I think statistically he was actually better in 2016 when he came. But he was, for a brief shining moment, everything the Blazers needed him to be. And they were good. I mean, they were better than good. They were beautiful. But he hasn't been able to recapture that for some reason. And I I suggested earlier that maybe it's just that he's been used in too many different ways. I mean, it's just that... The whole thing has not been designed to maximize his potential, and rightfully so. But he's not the type of guy who will go out beyond his potential and get something else. You've got to pitch to him where he can hit it. And the Blazers just kind of keep moving around the strike zone.
1: Yeah, it's it's a situation where it kind of feels like it kind of is what it is. Like what you see is what you're going to get this year, too. But I will say that I am kind of inspired in terms of uh, what I've heard about his overseas play this year. And I think that historically we've seen players coming in from the overseas playing, jump right into the regular season, uh, better stamina, better conditioning. And I've heard some, some positive things about his, his three-point shooting, his ability to face the floor. So if he's able to make that next jump, I think it could be a, a big benefit to this team. Uh, but the years of me thinking that he's going to all of a sudden become an all-star player, I think those are kind of done. But there are slight adjustments that he can make to continue to be, you know, what he's always been for us, which is good because he's, he's been a, I'd say, a borderline top 10 center. Like, he's not, that ain't growing trees. We got to appreciate that part of it. But I don't think it's going to be anything too crazy this year for him.
0: Right. That's an interesting question, though. And Adrian Bernicic brought this up. I mean, how many potential all-stars do the Blazers have right now? And I I guess I don't mean just all-stars this year. But over the next two, three years, who do you think could be an all-star if things go right?
1: I see, I see two. At the two, three, maybe if everything breaks right, I think if Jeremy Grant was still in the Eastern Conference, I think maybe you can see that being the case. But him being a number two, number three guy on this team, I think it's going to be tough. But the two guys that I think that are, are definitely perennial all-star candidates are Damian Lillard, of course, and Anthony Simons. And I think that Shaden Sharp could get to that point. But right now, we're kind of grasping at straws and trying to be, I think, too optimistic if we're projecting that over the next couple of years. But Simons, I think, if you've seen the number he was putting up last year when when Damian Lillard uh, was injured. I
0: think it's something special.
1: So I think that those are the two guys that I would, would focus on as far as being all-star competitors this year. Those two.
0: Yeah, I don't disagree. Although it brings up an interesting point, too. Let's say Shaden Sharp develops pretty well, okay? Uh, and pretty quickly, three years from now, who's the Blazers' front court? Or, sorry, backcourt. court? Uh, If Shaden Sharp is is there, and assuming they don't trade anybody, what does that backcourt look like in two, three years?
1: Two or three years. I'm going to go – Simons will still be on his contract again, so I'll go Simons. I'll go Sharp. And um, maybe somebody else to kind of fill in that other gap. I don't think Damon Lillard's going to – let me not say that. Let me not say he's not going to be here in a couple of years. I'll go with with Lillard, Lillard, Simons, and Sharp. I think those are going to be the guys
0: for sure. You keep all three, huh? (laughs) Uh, yeah, I could say you could get Twitter slaughtered for that, right now. Oh I, man, I think there's, I think there's a non-zero chance that the Blazers end up with a Simon Sharp backcourt. And in fact, if they really, really bomb, I could see that happening. You know, I don't think we want to speculate the Dame would be traded next summer, especially if they get now. Here's the thing: we brought this up on Twitter. They, they get the number one pick, right? Uh, okay, at that point, everybody's staying. Uh, You're slotting, except for Nurkic and Hart, and you're slotting in uh, a new center uh, or, you know, and it's just like, okay, then everybody's happy. But failing that, I mean, I don't think it's unreasonable to think that the Blazers just go with we've got our backcourt that's really young. Um, We can let go of Nurkic. Eventually we can let go of Lillard. Uh, Obviously, Josh Hart doesn't last a season. Jeremy Grant, we extended, but we can still trade him. Nasir Little still counts. A lot of these, you know, bench players could still hang out. But that Sharp and and, uh, Simons are simply going to be the backup plan if contention never happens.
1: I can see that being the case, too. Um, Honestly, it's kind of hard for me to get on the the bridge of even thinking about Damian Lillard leaving, especially because of all of the arguing that we've done about his loyalty and him wanting to be there. Uh, So there's a case on both sides for that.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure that Lillard Willingly leaves. Look, uh, Podcast One, we're already talking about this, right? And uh, what I mean by willingly is, you know, he. I, I believe at this point he doesn't really want to leave, but I still believe that there are systemically things that will just make it impractical for him to stay. You know? Yeah. Just like, look, why am, what are we doing here? And by the way, you now want to bump up younger people into my spot anyway. Who are, Who are we serving by sticking around here? Like, I got to go... I'm going to go somewhere else, spend my last couple of years or three or four or five years uh, chasing rings or at least making somebody else better, and you need to rebuild.
1: That's what I was kind of thinking earlier. I remember he was, um, I think it was even this summer, I think it was this past summer, where he was kind of talking about his loyalty being tested. So I could see it being a situation sort of like Russell Westbrook where it's like the team gets rid of him, they train him, but it's not always like completely mutual where he's able to go contend for a championship somewhere else. Hopefully it doesn't come to that. But if it does, I think that it's going to be a situation that benefits both sides because he'll still be the quote unquote best, best blazer ever, most productive blazer ever. So both sides will be able to get what they kind of want out of that, um, at the end of the day. But it feels so far away to even talk about that.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, and there is the Anthony, Anthony Davis kind of deal where yeah. you, you get a contending team that will trade away multiple future draft picks for him. And not even their current ones. But it's like, okay, so we got Sharp and we got Simons, and we know we've got the next seven years. Well, you know, if you get a draft pick three or four years down the road and you think it's going to be a really good one, go for it because you got your own lottery picks, and then you're going to get another one when that comes due. And all of a sudden, you're looking at a stratified, age diverse team.
1: That'd be cool. It'd be cool to see switch everything team where you can kind of do everything position-wise. and mm-hmm. I'd, like, I'd like to see something like that. And honestly, that might end up being like the best path to a championship because of the fact that, you know, in Portland, you're not going to be able to lure in the, the top free agents and, and pitch guys like that. I think if that was the case, we'd have seen Damon and CJ with all the connections they've had bring in, you know, star free agents, and it just hasn't happened. So right. we could draft and then stockpiling those assets might end up being like the best way to do that.
0: Well, and I think part of it too, besides just Portland, is. I mean, what kind of players are Damon, CJ? I mean, I, I, I love them, and they're charismatic and all that stuff, right? But these guys are 20 to 25 point-a-game scorers. Yeah. If you're a premier free agent and somebody else is already scoring 28 and then the other guys score in 24, what are you going to score? Well you gotta know, this is, you know, you went to the buffet and they got all the crab legs and all the lobster and you're gonna be sitting there with those dry pork chops going, uh oh, right, I can eat this, but look, you know, you got you gotta to go to your forte. Now, if Shaden Sharp becomes more of a two way player, I no doubt he Blazers hope he scores twenty, yeah. But if he's a, a good defender as well and Simons isn't horrible then I think you could see a third player come in and say, "I'm I'm a good defender and I don't have to score 25, but I can score 18, I can score 20 here, I can make bank and really make a contribution to a team." I I, I think I could see that a little bit more.
1: Yeah, that sounds like the, the best case scenario. There, they talk a little bit about him being like the best prospect. Like people were saying that he shouldn't have lasted as long as he did in the draft. I'm already seen like like Brandon Roy comparisons and then <laughs> things like that. So. We just gotta hope now. Hopefully
0: it comes sooner than later. Yeah. Well we'll see. Uh, of course it'll all depend on the direction this season. Anything else you got uh in the hopper that you think we should talk about preseason wise? oh we we hit on
1: pretty much everything I kinda thought about, so I mean this is this is fun to me, this is perfect to me.
0: All right. We got it. Well it's not bad for a Shakedown Cruise, episode one. I'm sure Marlo and I will disagree on a few more things in episodes two and <laughs> onward. I, I sense a Chauncey Phillips fight coming, so uh, we, oh. will, we will prepare for that. We'll all go home and lift and uh, make notes. and uh, <laughs> Then we'll come back and scrap in episode five or something. All right, so for Merlo Ferguson, I'm Dave Deckard, and we will see you all again next week.